Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Is it too loud? Good. That way I don't have to yell and scream and holler. I did, although this is a, a PCA congregation, right? But I did hear amen twice. That is amazing. Amen. Yeah, I come from a, a charismatic background. We, we stay at the chapel there at the seminary. But um, I told Zach that maybe we're going to have to, like, get some things popping in here. Uh, amen. Yeah, no, it, it is nice to be here with you guys. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me and my wife down here. Uh, it's always a blessing. Uh, last year we got to do this, and it was such a blessing and privilege to be with you guys. And then now, being out here in God's good world, His creation, to, we did this last year because of COVID reasons and whatnot, and we loved it. And we thought, well, we're going to do it this year, even if we don't have to be outside. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having us this morning. Uh, like I said, my wife is Emily, and we're expecting our fourth child, a girl, and we are excited about that. I'm the Dean of Students at San Grady Cristo Seminary, which means I do everything as necessary. Dean, D-E-A-N, do everything as necessary. Yeah, huh? So, I teach classes, I cut down trees, I clean toilets, um, and then here's... I decipher sermons from seminary students. That's the real key. If you can decipher what they're saying, and actually I was telling Zach that's been a common refrain that I have now is uh, in the classroom is, what exactly do you mean by that? Um, But yeah, it's good. Before this, I was a pastor in Roswell, New Mexico for about six years. So we had a a small reformed congregation there, and uh, oh, it was great. Uh, I loved loved it there. And just a fun fact for you guys: so I've been married six years, going on six years. Who's the oldest here? Who's been married thirty years? Fifty-four. Well, if you need counseling, marriage counseling, let me know. Fifty-four years. Yes, yeah, so six years. But here's the fun fact: we met online. Uh, can anything good come out of online? I know. Reform. No, it was Sovereign Grace singles. So, anyway, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter three this morning. And by the way, it, you know, as a guest speaker, you are trying to figure out, well, what should you teach on? So I had a few different topics. Um, humility was one topic I thought to teach on. But who wants to learn about that? I, I don't know. That has been on my mind. I don't know if it's because, you know, seminarians, seminary students need a little extra dose. But I recently taught on predestination and decrees of God. I thought, ah. So I landed on prayer because I like this passage. And... Um, Zach, we were talking, he says he does 3,500 words to 4,000 words. I told him I'd do about 2,500 words, so hopefully I can keep it under. You'll hold me to that. I know. Okay, this is from Ephesians chapter 3. We're starting in verse 14 here. 
Yeah, please stand for the reading of God's Word. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah, just for a few moments, if you would, pray for yourself this morning, asking that God would speak to you. And if you would just pray for me, asking that God would speak through me, it would make sense. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this time that we can have, that we can come and worship you and praise you. And we can have children here, Lord, and your goodness and creation. And then... Also, just the the wonderful diversity and unity in your body. And we thank you so much for that. Uh, We thank you for your word that encourages us, it rebukes us, it teaches us about you, it teaches us how to live as human beings in this world. And we're so thankful for that. Uh, This morning, we ask that you would help us to understand this passage just a little bit better than we did before, and that we would um, walk out a little bit different than we walked in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, How many of you have uh, read C.S. Lewis' um, Chronicles of Narnia? Any? Okay, some. Seen the movie? I I guess there's a movie out on some of them. Yeah. Well, we're reading it to our boys, and we're on the voyage of the Don Treader. And there's a a bully named Eustace. And so he's among, you know, virtuous little boys and girls who are kings and queens, and they're on an adventure. And on this voyage, um, the bully, Eustace, he went off by himself, and he stumbled upon a cave of gold. And he fell asleep on top of this gold with greed in his heart, and he didn't know it was actually a dragon's lair there. And so that night, mean, pig-headed Eustace, he turned into a dragon himself. He turned really to what he was. He was a beast. Well, Eustace, he begins to have a, a change of heart, and he didn't want to be a beast anymore. And so the scene that I love is when Aslan, who's the great king, he comes to Eustace with his powerful lion paws, and he gently removes the scaly, thick skin of a dragon. And Eustace, he describes this process as painful, but also relieving and comforting. Right? It's a picture of what we go through when we're changed. And then Aslan, he graciously clothes Eustace with new clothes. And then from that moment on, Eustace, who was a beast and a bully, he begins to live like a different human being. He's not perfect. 
but he doesn't live like a beast. His life is characterized by a new nature. And here's the point leading into what I want to say is he has new strength to face new challenges. He has new inner strength to face new challenges. That's what you see. You see somebody who went from being a beast to a new person who has inner strength to face new challenges. And so today I wanted to talk with you just for a little bit about inner strength. Inner strength and inner strength that comes because we have been changed by the love of Jesus. Right? Inner strength because we are different. We've been changed by Jesus who gave himself on the cross for us. And specifically, this inner strength comes through prayer. So, inner strength through prayer this morning. And my main idea could be stated like this. We need inner strength to know the love of Jesus to be all that God has created us to be. So inner strength, to know the love of Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of God. And so I paraphrase it as to be all that God has created us to be, even though I know it kind of sounds like, what is the army? Um, I know I don't like it, but then I also, if I say to you, inner strength to know the love of Jesus, to be filled with all the fullness of God, that's very vague and ambiguous, and you might... Fill in whatever you want to fill in there. So, inner strength to know the love of Christ, to be what God has created us to be. Is that okay with you? Can we go in that direction? You have no choice anyway. Well, my son James, and by the way, I, I did ask him, James, is it okay if I use this illustration? So I have two illustrations from my son's right. I mean, yeah. So I said, James, is it okay? He said, sure, Dad. But um, he had been talking about a hurt foot. And I, I forget where we were. Oh, we were in the car. And he had a mouthful of cotton candy. And he told me in the car, he said, Daddy, cotton candy strengthens my foot. I said, oh, really? That is so interesting. I didn't know that. I thought if anything would work against you there. But, yeah. So today, I want to talk about, right now in this section, inner strength. Right? As important as outer strength is. And, right, sometimes they go hand in hand. Inner strength, outer strength. So I want to talk about inner strength this morning. And if you look there in verse 16. Verse 16. This is his main, a main, or I'm sorry, is this verse 16 or is this 18? Let me see here. Um, yes, verse 16. That he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. In the inner person. So I want you to notice here that Paul finds this topic of inward power, or inward strength. He finds it important enough to pause and to pray for them in the middle of his letter. Right. Have you ever noticed it's kind of odd? Right. He's going along 
his beautiful exposition of what God is doing in Christ, how he's created one new family, and then he stops and he pauses to pray for his people. Um, and I just find it very interesting that his topic is on inner strength to know the love of Christ. And so that we do see a connection here between what? Well, inner strength from God through his spirit for what purpose? That we would know the love of Jesus. So there's a connection between inner strength and prayer. So I want to give you three observations real quick on inner strength from this passage. Three observations. So the first thing is that we see that we are strengthened according to the riches of his glory. If you look there, strengthened to the riches of his glory. What does that mean? Well, glory in this instance is another word for power. It signifies power. So, you know, we're strengthened as Christians inwardly from God's power. It's pretty basic. basic. Colossians 1.11, Paul prays that God would give them all power according to the might of his glory. So, again, glory can be used as power. And we also see this in Romans 6.4 when it says that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, right? By the power of the Father. So we receive strength from God and it comes according to his own power. Uh, The second thing that I want to point out here on inner strength is this word that you see there to be strengthened. Uh, This can be found in the Septuagint. So, right, you guys know what the Septuagint is. It's a Greek translation of your Old Testament. So it's found there, and usually when it's found there, it is aligned with inner qualities of courage and determination. So courage and determination. So inner strength, often for those purposes. And then I want you to notice that it's inner strength through what? Through His Spirit. And often if you read the Scriptures, you see that the Spirit... And power, they're often connected, right? You see that Zach's going through Acts, and I'm sure he's gotten into this a little bit, uh, and maybe more, but often you see the Spirit, well, the Spirit's there for what? To give God's people power, to strengthen them for the task that God has them to carry out. And then the third thing I want to point out is that when Paul says the inner person... Right, strengthen to your inner person. You can think like the deepest part of yourselves, right? The core of who you are. Right, God wants to strengthen us at the core of who we are, so that we would better understand the love of Christ. And it's not that Paul is not saying, "Well, here's the inner person, and here's your body. That doesn't matter." But the inner person matters. No, it's just that you know we're. we're Body and soul. A human being is body and soul. And did you know you'll always be body and soul? Right? Our final destination is actually right here on this earth. Renewed and new and amazing. But we'll have a body, a new body, an amazing body. But we're body and soul. But God, He strengthens us inwardly at the deepest part of ourselves so that we can know the love of Jesus. So, inner fortitude to grasp the love of Jesus. That's what Paul prays for his people. Inner strength 
to the love of Christ. Well, my son Luke, he was very distraught the other day. And we were leaving out of our driveway. And we were pulling out, and I was just wondering, what is going on back there with him? Well, he finally blurted out, he said, Dad, your seatbelt. Yeah, I need to put my... And he has good reason for this, because I got pulled over, and I got a ticket for not having his seatbelt on. And it traumatized... Because, you know, we tell him, why are cops there? Well, cops are there to take care of bad people, Right. Get the bad people out. And that's like how my son thinks now. Like if you talk to Luke and he talks about God, what is God going to do? Well, God's going to remove all the bad people. And, and, you know, a curse word in our home is lake of fire. So if they say, I'm throw you in the lake of fire, that's like a big no-no. So that's how they understand God right now. And so daddy gets pulled over by a police officer. Oh, my goodness. And so he's always making sure I have my seatbelt on. But here's my point. Sometimes we think we don't need help remembering the basics. But sometimes we do. Right? It's just how it is. And I think it's like that with this passage. We hear, okay, the love of Christ. Ah, I, I understand that. But I think sometimes we need help to remember this. And here, Paul is saying that they need strength. They need strength to know the love of Jesus. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they need strength? Like from this passage, if you look here at this passage, why would you think they need strength? Well, look what he says. Look at verse 19. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So have you ever thought about that? So like the love of Christ in one sense we understand it, we grasp it like his love on the cross. But in another sense it's very, it's incomprehensible he's saying. And so he's saying, yeah, I'm going to pray that you would have a better understanding of the love of Christ. Uh, he uses a word there that you would be, you'd be strong enough to grasp. Uh, it's a word to grasp mentally. But I want you to notice here that he says that you may be strong enough. So it kind of has a progressive idea to it. So it's, it's not automatic, right? We, uh, we progressively come to know the love of Christ on a deeper way as we walk with the Lord. And, and prayer helps us in that. So strength to grasp the Messiah's love. And I want to comment here, too, on the love of Christ. Because I think we may kind of just overlook some of this. If you think about Paul, Paul was a what? What was Paul? Tent maker. A Jew. He was a, also, part of Jew. You're... A Pharisee, right? And so you, so you had different... When you think about the Jewish people during Paul and Jesus' day, there are many different Jewish groups. So there's not like just one Jewish people. You know, they, many different groups, they believed in many different ways. Some wanted a Messiah. Some hoped for a Messiah. The Pharisees did. Some didn't. The Sadducees, they didn't want a Messiah to come. Why? Well, Messiah means king. And they controlled the temple. They controlled, so they didn't want a Messiah to come and take over the temple and so forth. And so, but Paul, as a Jew, 
he believed, and as a Pharisee, he believed that a Messiah would come. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament and in most strands of Judaism, they believed that the Messiah would come and fight and regain the temple. Right? He would wage war. But what happens? What, what changes? How does this Messiah win? How does Jesus win? He dies. He gives himself. And so for Paul, a self-sacrificial Messiah, that revolutionized his worldview, his messianic worldview. And what you see in Paul, that love, that self-giving love of the Messiah, right? that undergirded all of Paul's theology so that he interpreted all of his sufferings through the Messiah's love for him. Right? You know, Galatians, that Zach, he preached through that recently. He said, Jesus, referring to Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. So when you think of the love of Christ, we want to think of the Messiah's cross or Jesus' cross. Right? That he loved me and gave himself for me. And that's what Paul wants his people to better grasp the Messiah self-giving love on the cross. Uh, There's this book that I recently read for school. I'm in school still, even though I'm out of school. I'm ready to be done with school. But I read a book. It's called Spiritual Emotions by a guy named Robert Roberts. And he says emotions are concern-based construals. Do you all understand what I'm saying? I know. Neither did I until my wife explained it to me. But concern-based, so it's an academic way to say what your concerns are will dictate your emotional response, right? I mean, that's pretty basic. What you're concerned about will dictate your emotional response. So let me give you an example. We could all read the same... CNN headline, just kidding, let me give you, we could read the same Fox headline. Now, yes, I know, because perhaps if we all read the same CNN headline, we might get the same emotional response, which is not where I'm going with this. But if we read the same Fox headline, we could get different emotional responses, right? I could think that the world is coming to an end. And you could think, well, this is a perfect opportunity for mercy and grace. Right? The same headline. Well, what's going on? Well, what our concerns are dictate our emotional response to that situation. Well, and, and this is my point here. For Paul, the love of Christ, giving Christ giving himself at the cross, that undergirded all of Paul's, how he filtered everything in the world. His suffering, the evil that's going on, he knew that Christ gave himself for that. And so another way to say this is that the love of Christ formed the foundation for emotional stability for Paul. Right? The love of Christ, it formed the foundation for emotional stability. Why is that important? Well, we live in an evil and wicked world. 
And so Paul, he and, and Ephesians deals a lot with that, right? You have the spiritual warfare chapter at the end of um, chapter 6. But he pauses and he prays. And his prayer for God's people is that you and I would have strength to understand better in a deeper way. It's not that we don't understand the love of Christ, but we would understand it better. So inner strength and the king's love. There is a, a journalist and author, I, I recently read her book, and her name is Abigail Schreier. And you may have seen her on the news recently. Her, her book got taken off of Amazon. I'm, I'm drawing a blank for what it is. Um, it's on the transgender craze. Transgender. Yeah, it's called Irreversible Damage. And it's about how... The transgender movement is ruining so many little teenage girls' lives. And it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking, isn't it? But in the book, she shows that many girls who have gender dysphoria, dysphoria, they begin to change their behavior after a season of social media use. Okay, and so she's scratching her head and said, yeah, what is going on? Like, parents are noticing everything's fine. And then after a period of social media use, all of a sudden they're changing their behavior. It's a new phenomenon. Why? Well, because now globally, right, we can connect to different people and have these chat rooms and stuff. But here's what's happening. On social media, they are finding acceptance for their growing discontent and discomfort in how they view themselves, right? They, they say, oh, this is love, and so it's affirming them. But what's actually happening? It's deconstructing who they are, right? I mean, you think about, I mean, that movement is the, ulti- is the tangible expression of what it looks like to be deconstructed as a human being. And here's my point. My point is that true love transforms you and I to be truly human as God intends us to be. Like true love is transformational. And it's transformational in the sense that it restores us back to how God originally designed us to be as human beings. And you see this in this passage. It's very clear. That's why I like this passage, because it's Paul is very clear. It's one sentence in Greek. And he has a purpose statement there. If you would look, look at verse 19. He says, in order... so." You know, in order that, so going back to what he has said about the love of Christ, so his main point that you would be strengthened inwardly, and then you have to know the love of Christ, and then verse 19, this is the purpose of his prayer. In order that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now, I, I paraphrase it that you may be all that God has created you to be, because that's, and I borrow this from another Bible teacher, but that's what Paul has in mind here 
in chapter 4, verse 13, Paul will talk, he'll use this idea, this language of fullness. And he says that God's people, like we, we're one body, you have pastors and shepherds, right? We all have different gifts and we're all working to grow up, he says, into the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would arrive at being a mature, your translation says man, but really the, the word there in Greek is anthropos, and it's better translated human being. That we're going to be a mature human being to the fullness of Christ. And so that's very similar to what Paul is saying here. Is that we would understand, we would know the love of Christ to be what God has created us to be. To be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's a quote that might be helpful in this end. Just as in 4.13, Paul says that the saints are on the way to becoming mature. So here, he probably means that his readers are in the process of becoming all that God created them to be. I, I, I love that. Because God is concerned with how we live out our humanity here on this life. That we would be filled with his fullness. Right, and so we see here from this passage that the love of Christ, he, he prays that we grasp it mentally, but we also see that it's transformational. So it's not just something that we know in our minds, but it's something that actually changes us as human beings. Right? We're so affected by that that it changes us. It changes us how we live in his world. I'm going I'm to close with kind of three challenges for you guys this morning, for myself as well. Um, I want to say a couple things first. Um, as you know, we live in an emotionally unstable country. Would you agree with me there? Can I get an amen? Right? As a society, it seems like we are digressing into little children, not mature emotional adult, adults or uh, yeah, healthy, emotional adults. And it's not a secret, right? We have so many platforms where you can see this take place. Like, we're taking a U-turn, right, down the road of, of um, mental health issues and all sorts of things. You have YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. You have news, politicians, journalism. Like, people who were once, to, you know, professional people that were to be leaders now, you see that we're just in an emotionally unstable world. But here's the thing. Sadly, the church is influenced by this. Right? We are. We, we, we are. I am. My children are. We all are in some degree. Especially if you live on the news. Just, right? You find yourself watching the news all the time. I, I like the news, but it's like... Wow, I can walk away just either really angry, really sad. So let, let me give you three challenges here based on what we've talked about this morning. Uh, the first thing, the first one is simple. Just consider, just consider praying for your brothers and sisters this prayer. Right, that God would strengthen them inwardly. And I do want to point out that we don't pray like this. I mean, we really don't. I mean, when is the last, like, think about it. When is the last time, like, you've prayed, like, for instance, okay, pray for Zach. Zach, 
Oh, man, just give Zach inner, inward strength that he would better know the love of Christ. No, it's more like, you know, yeah, God, give him clients for his sharpening business. Lord, um, help him with all the stuff, all the messed up stuff he has in his life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, we don't pray like that. We don't pray like that this in our church services. And so, yeah, just consider doing that. Consider praying for each other's strength, that you would better know the love of Christ, even though you do. And then the second thing here, I want you to consider the positive elements in Paul's prayer for himself and for God's people. Okay, consider the positive elements. In in other words, Paul affirms the good in his people, in his praying. He says, you are rooted and grounded in love. Uh, In chapter 1, he says, your eyes have been enlightened. Elsewhere, Paul's praise that he praises God, that God's people are growing in faith. They are loving each other. They are doing God's will. Right. And so if you read, Paul usually has his prayers at the beginning of his letter. If you read those prayers, you will think, oh, my goodness, we don't pray like Paul. Because his prayers are usually extremely positive. Right. I'm reformed background. What do our prayers sound like? Dirges. Right? I mean, come on now. It's like, oh God, I'm such a terrible, evil, vile, wicked person. I'm so horrible. And that's true in one sense. Right? But in another sense, we can't be like those who practice the deeds of the flesh. We can't be a horrible, evil person because those people don't inherit the kingdom of God. So we want to we want to look at the positive elements here and pray like Paul. And then the last thing is consider that prayer is needed to better grasp the love of Christ. Right? This is it's it's direction for all of us because it doesn't matter where we are in our walk with the Lord. Um, we've been walking for seventy years or one year. You know, we we need prayer so that we can understand his love. And remember, it's not a sappy love. It's not like, oh, better understand that Jesus, you know, he kind of holds our hands and skips through a field. You know, Jesus gave his life for you and me. And like, Lord, help us to understand. Help us to have that filter that that's the, the lens through which we see the evil in our world. That's the lens through which we filter all these things that are going on. So inner strength to know the love of Christ that we would be truly human as God intends us to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you help us, you encourage us, and you're always there for us, for people who need your grace. Because, Lord, sin, it entangles us, it hurts us, it hurts our loved ones. And so, Lord, help us to be strengthened inwardly that we would live as you have called us to live in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.